that's been making the news also. So just, there's a lot of folks, there's respiratory virus and all sorts of stuff going around. So, <clears throat> so if people are coughing, don't be shocked. <clears throat> Is everybody here? Are you all just wore out tonight? <clears throat> I, I'm, yeah, I'm close, I'll admit it, I'm close. But anyways, all right, so tonight we're going to try to finish this out. Uh, you all did a good job preaching last, last week. We had you all reading and talking about the passages. And uh, it was a good thing to provide Christian fellowship. That the, the purpose, one of the purposes of the church is to provide Christian fellowship. <clears throat> it's interesting. Uh, uh, I asked Brother Young a question and I, I didn't know how badly I actually wanted the answer. Uh, some of you might remember I talked about, in, I was just thinking in, in Russia, but he's exactly correct. I asked him about talking to people about the Lord. And his response was, people don't want to talk about the Lord. They won't talk about the Lord. And that's all I talk about is the Lord. Uh, and that's, I don't know if you know that or not, but that, I hate to say it, but when it comes to Christian fellowship, you have to do it. it, it you know, we just, we just think that this stuff's just going to come naturally to us. Tell me, what is the nature of man? <laughs> yeah, it's fallen. Yes, thank the Lord, we have the Holy Spirit. But if you're waiting on the Holy Spirit to tell you to go do something, He's already commanded you in the Scripture to do, what the Spirit you might end up getting is not the one you were thinking. It might be a smack in the back of the head. <laughs> you don't need Holy Spirit guidance on something God's already said to do. Does everybody hear that? You don't have to have Holy Spirit guidance to do something that God has already said to do. What you do is you obey what God's already said to do, and you get Holy Spirit empowerment to obey while you're obeying. What we want is God to stir everything up ahead of time. And believe it or not, he actually has done a good bit of that. <clears throat> Problem is, is, we're just so stinking selfish, we don't see it. And don't tell me, I, I know it for a fact, because I'm the same way. Amen? If you want, if you want it, amen? If you want to have Christian fellowship, guess what you're going to have to do? Do it. Do it. You want your family to talk about the Lord. Don't wait for some miraculous wand wave or a special TV show or a different preacher. I mean, you know what I'm saying, like a revival preacher. Just do it. Well, it's really awkward. Yeah, because you're not used to it. It's like swinging a hammer for the first time. You hit the wrong nail a lot. I'm, well, I'm getting on this preaching thing, but... <clears throat> Does anybody remember the first time you learned, actually learned how to use a hammer? Not that you used the hammer, but somebody taught you how to use a hammer. You remember that? You know, when you first do it, you always grip up way too high. You get way up towards the head. You go ping, 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 ping like this, you know, and you get some guy. First time we were doing roofing, and there's a whole bunch of us teenagers, and we all got hammers, and we got those little bitty nails. We're trying to bang them in because we're, you know, putting our own roof on the youth, the youth building. And the roofer comes by and he says, no, 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 here. And he grabs the hammer and he grabs my hand and pulls it towards the end. And then he gets his own hammer and puts it down. Bang, whap! You just sunk that thing all the way in. Yeah, and you can too. I can't. Yes, you can. Because he had to show me how to do it. Is everybody here? How to not bend the nail? It works the same way. The stuff we're learning on Wednesday night is not just to fill time. It's for us to appropriate the things that we find in Scripture that we agree are true and Get our, hand, get our hand on the right place on the handle and go to work. To use it. 
to think about it, to use it. Well, I've forgotten. Well, we're all on Facebook, Sermon Audio, YouTube. Go back and listen. Listen to them again. Uh, I tell you, I have, I don't know how many messages on my phone. And there are some I listen to every, uh, every year, sometimes more than once a year. Why? Because I need them. <laughs> I need them. The message that Brother Davison preached to me in particular when I was ordained to come and pastor this church, I don't even know how many times I've listened to that message because it was really good and I needed it. And there's things in there I go back, oh man, I've not been doing that. You know what I did this week? I hauled out my Pastorology One notes. Like second or third year college. Pastorology One notes. Why did I do that? Because I want to make sure I'm not letting stuff I should be doing slip. Oh, I've been in the ministry for 35 years. Yeah, and you rest on that too long, and you, you start acting like a lazy bum. Amen. So we're going to finish out this, the purposes of the church. I want you to listen carefully, okay? Because we've only got one, two. <clears throat> it says six things. I'm not really sure about one of them. I'm going to do five. So... There's sometimes preachers to keep filling notes and they use stuff and I'm going, mm, I'm not sure those verses, I'm not sure this means what you think it means, you know. So, all right, so letter I on our list, and trust me, that's not, we've skipped a couple of the other ones and added a few, but in biblical considerations of the purpose for the church, the purpose for the church, a New Testament church is to, to provide care for its own, to provide care for its own. Now we would agree with that, right? So let's go look at some verses that just say that. Um, so I'm, we could use the Second Corinthians chapter eight passage, could we not? Second Corinthians chapter eight, and that's when one church as, or several churches as a group help take care of another church that is doing very badly. Amen. Taking care of our own. But let's go to First Timothy for ours, and then uh, we'll probably end up in the book of John. <coughs> The one in 2 Corinthians is more of an example. So let's go to 1 Timothy. We'll just look at a couple passages here. The, the one in John, I believe, is probably the most uh, fruitful. 1 Timothy in chapter 5. And I'm going to do a, a lengthy reading here, but I want you to listen to... This is Paul teaching Timothy on how to lead his people, okay? How to be a pastor here, but listen to some of the things he says. So chapter 5, we're, we're, I'm just going to read the whole passage because you're going to begin to see a pattern in what he's teaching the, the people to do. Verse 1, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger, younger men as brethren. See the family dynamic already? Okay. The elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Honor widows that are widows indeed, but if any widow have children or nephews... Let them first learn to show piety at home and to requite their parents. Okay, it's talking about making sure there's respect and take care. For that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate, trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. And we don't need to read this part because this is, this is part for widows here. Verse 8, But if any provide not for his own, and especially of those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And then uh, move down to, yeah, look down to verse 10, talking about widows that are taken in as members. Let them be widows. Let them be well reported of for good works. If she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, 
if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. Okay? But don't allow those that are, all they want to do is just be selfish, essentially, is what the next verse 11 says. Move on to verse 13. Otherwise, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, tattlers, busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. I'd rather, verse 14, will therefore the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully? For some are already turned aside after Satan. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them, and let not the church be charged that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. Now, very interesting here, the, there's a constant weaving back and forth about personal responsibility to care for your family, and then the church responsibility to pick up where the, where the family is not or cannot. Now, very interesting. Then there's just, and I know it's, you'll have to read it through several times, but the constant in, input from Paul to teach the people on caring for each other in this, the example of the younger, uh, the examples of, of what, how they're supposed to treat each other, examples of how the children are supposed to take care of their parents, which is Bible, by the way. Uh, I didn't expect uh, Berean Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri to care for my parents. That was my job. Now, they did, they did, and more power to them, thank the Lord, but it wasn't their job to go in and, and, and take care of their parents. That was my job. Now, but where I couldn't, they did as much as they could. Amen. That, there's just to provide care for its own. So this is, this in a, in a sense, this passage is talking about caring internally, family-wise. We are to take care of our own family. Amen. You notice how it's interesting? It doesn't really allow in there for uh, whether you like them or not. Whether you have a good relationship with them or not. I mean, I know, I know Miss Vicky has. Miss um, Giselle, probably also you. And I, I'm, I'm maybe some elsewhere, but I'm just saying, when you take care of your own family who are elderly, uh, it's not unusual for, for elderly people on, their, on those end-of-life end years to become someone you don't want to live with. And you don't really want to take care of and love, but they're your family, and you do what, you need, you do what you're supposed to do. Okay? And you do what you should do. Amen. It's a, it's a good thing. And God honors that. Amen. So this is, this is a very narrow passage. That's why I'm not using this as our primary passage. But the passage in here, the, the thought in here about caring for your own, and then there is a thought about picking up for others. So um, there's James. <coughs> why don't you guys turn to John chapter 13. I got one quick verse out of the book of James. Uh, James chapter 1, which this kind of tails right on the end of the last one. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Amen. There it is again. Don't, don't, they should not be neglected. They need to be cared for. Amen. Uh, and that's, uh, that's why we have uh, on our normal outreach plan <laughs> time, <coughs> downstairs, in our, uh, in our outreach maps, we have the, the knock-a-block maps, and then we've got the addresses of our shut-ins, our widows and shut-ins, because we like to have them visited, talk to them. Just go spend 20 minutes and talk about who, who knows. I, seriously, who knows. With some people, it might be the same story you've heard the last three times you visited them, and that's okay. Others, it might be... Uh, uh, Miss Ruby talking about her quilting or 
I mean, there's, you know, there's how many different things could it be? So it, it just, it just be a visit, take care, pay attention. And by the way, pay it, it's a good thing to pay attention because we, we don't, especially in Idaho, you know, we don't want to like run around and tell everybody we have a need. I'm just going to suck it up and take care of it myself somehow or other. I'll just suffer in silence, you know. And there's some good and bad things about that that can be carried both ways. So pay attention. You all remember when Park Sutton came in and preached a youth rally here? I don't know how many years ago it was. And I saw his tires that he drove here on from Colorado. And a couple other men, I believe Brother John Ross was one of them, saw his tires and were all like, we ain't letting him leave out of here with those tires. <laughs> we, we're scared he'll make it back. And then he wouldn't let us, he only would let us give him money because he had a tire guy and then we just, we just prayed him home. Because I'm telling you, there was stuff. Yeah, pay attention. Look. Pay attention. If someone doesn't seem right, you know there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, 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 is everything okay? Are, are you all right? Are you, is, are you okay? Is everything, do you need something? There's nothing wrong with saying that. Give someone an opportunity to say, yeah, I'm fine. I just got this other thing I'm dealing with. Or, well, uh, uh, oh no, come on, come on, what, what, out with it. What's the deal here? Okay, you hear what I'm saying? That sometimes taking care of each other means we've got to be a little bit nosy because people, we're too... We're too proud to ask for help. In Idaho, there should have been a big ground of amens right there because we all know that to be true. We're too proud to ask for help. All right, John 13. John 13. But you guys are already there. Let me get over there real quick. John chapter 13. Look, look it down. <coughs> okay, verse 34. And if this doesn't clear the bell on this to provide care for its own, I don't know what else does. John thirteen thirty four. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. How has the Lord loved us? I mean, there's one great big one. <laughs> for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. So how are we supposed to give? We're supposed to give to the point of self-sacrifice for each other. That's what love is. We're supposed to love each other to the point of self-sacrifice. Um, we have to understand what that means, right? Uh, it might mean that your Christmas traditions get interrupted. Is that, you're hearing what I'm saying? It might mean that your Christmas traditions get interrupted. Your personal time gets uh, given up. Your gas, your money, your time, your food might disappear. Okay? Do you, you understand what I'm saying? To provide care for its own. This New Testament church is to provide care for its own. It should not be known. Now listen, there's always, there's always whiners. Okay? There are, there's always somebody who you can never do enough for. Um, I, I, man alive, I remember we had a, I, I got to be careful even now because um, uh, where it was, but man, there was, there was, some, there was a couple, they were whining and whining about how the church never took care of them. And I mean, it was like endless, spreading rumors around and uh, never tithed, never gave to missions, never gave to any special offering. And... Uh, Preacher brings them in, you know, like, okay. 
listen, you guys aren't contributing anything, and yet you're wanting everything. That, you know, there's always people who are leeches on the membership. That always exists, okay? Don't think that it does not. Um, that doesn't mean you ignore them. It might mean that, like with this couple, the offer was, why don't you come in and maybe you need some counseling on how to take care of your finances? Because as a Christian, rule number one is you tithe. That's nothing between you and the church. That's between you and God. And if you want to take good care of your finances, you tithe. First. Amen. So anyways, uh, there's always those. But that, that just, so I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, we've got to just dump ourselves out. and get, Although, I certainly think about it, Jesus died for them too. Jesus died for Adolf Hitler. So maybe we, maybe we have, wouldn't it be better as a church to have a reputation of taking care of our own than neglecting our own? Amen. To provide care for its own. All right, I'm going to preach too much on that. So there's an interesting one out of Romans chapter 11. Okay, so Romans chapter 11. And the, the author in our book here, in this, this curriculum, suggests this, that this is the, one of the purposes and I would, I'd almost correct it saying it, it seems to be something that is a result of, but nonetheless, we need, to, we need to look at it, okay? Romans chapter 11, one of the purposes of the church, I'm going to read it first. Romans chapter 11, go down to verse 11, okay? Here, here Paul is talking about his own people, the Jews, all right? Okay, verse 11, I say then, have they, the Jews, Stumbled that they should fall, God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is coming to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Okay, you understand that? That the gospel went to the Jews, Jesus went to the Jews, there was a, a limited response from the Jews, and, the, and thus the apostles, many of the apostles were sent out to the Gentile world, especially Paul, uh, some of Peter as well. Okay? And look what it says, again, but rather through the fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them, that's the Jews, to jealousy. Now that's interesting. That means that one of the purposes, listen, one of the purposes of our taking the gospel in our town and seeing Gentiles saved is to bring the Jews to a point of jealousy. You understand that? That's how God intends it. Well, that doesn't sound right. That's what God intends. Okay, that's, that's what the purpose... I'm not even trying to over-explain it. That's what it says right there in verse 11. Okay, let's keep reading a little bit. Now, if the fall of them, verse 12, be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles. Now he's talking to us. Inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Amen. Well, hopefully the testimony of the Gentiles in coming to Jesus will be used to bring the Jews to Christ. Amen. That's so so part of, part of what we're supposed to be doing, and, to, and I can, the only way I can say it is by spreading the gospel, is, and I'm not saying 
I think this is a natural cause of us doing what the church is supposed to do. The natural cause is the Jews are driven to jealousy. Amen. Hopefully, uh, we will see the Jews uh, become believers. Amen. All right. Um, it's interesting, and I'm just, I'll include it because it's in here just for your sake if it's interesting to you. Uh, he says that the purpose of a New Testament church is to prepare for millennial rule. Um, I'm not sure about that in preparation for the millennial rule. We will rule in the millennium, that is true. And uh, near as we can tell, a lot of the results of how we rule in the millennial rule is by how we live our life in this life. Kind of interesting. I don't know how else to explain it. And actually in every passage you use, most of the time that we're preparing for millennial rule is by our own suffering. <laughs> it's by our own suffering. So I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there and leave it be. He uses Romans 8, 17, 2 Timothy 2, and Revelation 5, 10 as some verses with that. And I'm, I'm, I'd say I, I'm only including that because that's what he says. I'm not... I'm not in complete agreement that that should fit in this list, but all right. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew in chapter 5, we're going to read verses 13 through 16. 13 through 16. Here's again this chapter 5, verse 13. Ye, talking to his disciples as a group, the believers, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle... Excuse me. <coughs> Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your, again, plural, light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. <coughs> now, so what do you think this might be? There's several different ways to put it. What do you think the responsibility is here? That's several different thoughts, several different ideas. Um, if we combine not just the light of the world, what, you know, what, is, what does light do? When we turn on the light, what does it do? What's that? Yes, it reveals truth, but it also does something else. Gets rid of the darkness. It gets rid of the darkness. So if you know, you'll hear the old joke... Uh, Chuck Norris doesn't turn on the light. He, he uh, drives out the darkness or he turns off the darkness, you know, which is funny. But no, light drives out darkness. What does salt do? Because God is using salt and light in the same thought process here. What does salt do? Salt is a preservative. You understand that? It's, it's a, both of these things, if you consider them, Together, I understand light. We want to be a light in the darkness, and we should be. This is a, there's nothing wrong with that application. But if you consider the thought of salt in the world and light in the world, one of the things that we are doing is we are, we are in essence, helping to restrain evil, helping the Holy Spirit restrain evil in the world. By living a, listen, by living a life of righteousness empowered by the Holy Spirit. You understand that? 
Living a life of righteousness. Amen. Your, your life, this, this group, this body of believers here in the city of Jerome should be um, a, a ward against the efforts of the devil in our city. I want you to think about that. Not just our presence, not just because we exist. Is everybody, is everybody here? So when they want to, you know, I'm just thinking that one of the simple things is uh, the library. They want to put in books that are just horrendous at the library. What's wrong with Christians showing up and saying, I don't think so. This doesn't need to be here. They want to pass a, they want to pass a law um, allowing something that the Bible speaks clearly against. You know what I'm saying? Is everybody here? Where should you be? At home going, what's the rest of the town doing? Uh, is everybody here? You all, th- this is where like, being a Christian actually involves being a Christian. You realize we live, in a, we live in a country where we have a voice. You all re- still realize that, right? We still have a voice. I think you all are a little bit too dead or something tonight. <clears throat> All right. You need to be a light in the darkness. I, I just I just wonder. I remember I had a good friend, we were talking about missions, and he said some things that made my, my brain just really rumble. He because he talked about when 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 we give to missions, when we get to heaven, we don't know what the real we don't know what's gonna happen as we're as we're standing uh, in heaven and realize someone's going to walk up to us and say, you were a member of such and such a church. Yes, you supported the missionary that came and led my mom to the Lord and I'm in heaven because of your money. Okay, now pause. The reverse of that is exactly the same. I worked with you day in and day out and you never said a word. And now here we are, you had 10 years, 15 years, 20 years to tell me the truth and you never tried hard enough. The inverse is also true. Okay? So we are to be a light in the darkness. I want you to consider, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it this Christmas, but I really think that we, uh, we as a church need to consider some ministry around Christmas uh, that, is, that is just completely for the benefit of those who are uh, needy. And I don't mean poor, necessarily. Because there's lots of needy people who've got plenty of money. There's people who are lonely. There's people who are away from their families. There's people who are, frankly, just hate the world and they just want to find some goodness somewhere. And I, I really think Christmas is a good op- Christmas is one of those times when People are driven to emotional extremes 
Don't, don't tell me they're not because you all are enjoying the thought of having family or are missing family or are remembering old, old Christmases of long ago. You hear what I'm saying? You get nostalgic, you watch the old movies and that makes you... Christmas is a time of emotional extremes. Just as much as for some people they love this time of year, there are others who are, are driven the exact opposite direction and they can't stand it. They need someone that can minister to them. You know what? There's no expectation. We want you to come... Maybe, I don't, I'm just sitting here. You hear what I'm saying? Just come and let us fellowship with you a little bit. I, I, and I'm, some of you could, some of you have interest and hobbies and things that you could, that you could take a part of to be a light in the darkness. There's things that, you know, so find somewhere to, to find other people that take part of that hobby and start talking to them. Invite them to your house. Tell them who you are. Tell them you're a believer. Tell them you believe in Jesus Christ. Tell them what that means to you. Amen. This is, these are good things. Amen. All right, so to be a light in the darkness. Turn to Galatians in chapter 6. This really follows up quite nicely with the previous point. <clears throat> Galatians in chapter 6. Look down at verse 10. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now, this is beyond provide care for its own. Providing care for its own is just making sure that those, those amongst us are not needy. This is beyond that. We're just, to, we're just to do good. When we have an opportunity, do good to people. And it's cracking me up again that it's, it's, a, it's a plural context. As, as we, have therefore, have let us. It's responsibility of us all as believers to do good. Find ways to do good and do good. Is there, is there a way we can? Is there a way we can be a blessing? Let's do it. Let's do good. If you've got an idea, bring it up. Let's try it. Let's do good. How can we do good? How can we do good to the city of Jerome? Why are we passing out water bottles? Well, we want more people to see our name. Yes. It's also giving water on a hot day. The Lord even says a cup of, cup, a cup of cold water in his name. I mean, here, listen to that. That's exactly what we're doing. It's not just so they know our name. I, matter of fact, that was a purpose. When I, when I specifically talked to the mayor and asked him what to do, and that's what he mentioned to do, I said, listen, I want to be a help to the community and have the community know who we are. I want to have an opportunity to be able to talk to them someday. And they said, can you pass out water bottles? That's a great idea. doesn't cost us that much money, and it helps us be a blessing to people. Those of you, those of you who are out passing out water bottles, you, you've heard like I did, Passing out a water bottle. Oh, I am so glad you guys are still here doing this. I, did, you, did you hear that, Miss? I'm not, several times here. Oh, I've been waiting for you guys. The water bottle church is here. It's great. I love it. The water bottle church. To promote good. To promote good. I'm telling you, if there's something good going on, again, in our, in our city, why wouldn't we want to be a part of that? That's a good thing. 
Well, let them other people take care of it. Why shouldn't we be involved? Now, I'm not talking about joint efforts with the rest of the churches that are, don't believe like we believe. Okay, I'm talking about an op- opportunities for us as individuals to do good and for our church to do good to the community. Amen. You, many of you have opportunities to do good. Amen. Amen. You know how people show love when, how, how at least historically, and we still do it, but when somebody, when somebody passes away, you know what everybody's first thought is? You know, I, I wonder if we could take them a meal. That, that's like a common thought. Everybody here? Maybe we could take them a meal. Maybe we could provide a meal. Or if the whole family's sick, that's a, is that a do-good thing? Yeah, that's a do-good thing. Amen. Is there, what, amen. Do good. And let's, let's read the verse again. As we have, therefore, opportunity. So it doesn't say, doesn't say we need to spend our whole lives, oh, i got to make sure. No. If you get an opportunity, something shows up, do good. As we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. I have seen people take this too far, uh, and they actually hurt themselves and their church financially by making this a life's goal. Okay, and I love the way the Lord puts it in here, as we have, therefore have opportunity. Wow. Have a missionary has a need, and, they, you know, and we got a little extra in the missions budget, why not? Uh, we, we did, uh, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, but we have uh, every Christmas time, we are approached by the Alumni Association at Heartland asking us to participate because they take up an offering so that all the paid staff at Heartland can have Christmas bonuses. Because if we don't give, they don't get anything. They just get their normal paycheck. So, and Christmas bonuses, uh, some people here have never got them. Uh, it, most of my experience, almost most people get something, even a turkey or a ham. I'm sorry if you work at a place that doesn't do that. Maybe we should get involved there. <laughs> promote good. Those are good things. So we helped, we helped with that. We helped with that this year. Amen. To promote good. All right. Lastly, and this will be done. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. You know, 1 Timothy was in my Bible this afternoon. There it is. Okay. Go to chapter 3. Look at verse 15 with me. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. Paul says to Timothy, or verse 14, These things I write unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The church of the living God is the pillar and ground of the truth. Amen. I've seen churches get involved with a lot of stuff. Political stuff, faddish stuff. Um, and they start, they start preaching and teaching and stuff that comes from the pulpit and the stuff that shows up on, the, on all their social media and all the outreach and all the people. All they can talk about is this one thing that is not about the Bible. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. 
This ought to be the house of truth. It ought to be known for saying, this is what the Bible says. The truth, the truth, the truth. We should support it. What is the truth? Here it is right here. <laughs> this is it right here. Uh, some, some of you, yeah. Some of you remember, uh, I think I've even used it before, but the old, uh, <clears throat> the Sally Jesse Raphael show, and they had the, the, the vice president of Procter & Gamble, quote-unquote, was on their show and was talking about how they gave a lot of their money to the satanic church and that the symbol of stars and moon symbols had a lot to do with Satanism. Some of you remember, that was a big deal amongst Baptist churches. So, I mean, like everywhere we went, people were talking about it. This was in the 90s, I believe. So, is everybody here? Sally Jesse Raphael show? It was all a lie. Every bit of it was a lie. Never happened. The, guy, the Procter & Gamble vice president was never on that show. Uh, they never covered anything about Satanism. Procter & Gamble wasn't involved with any of that. But church after church after church that we were going to had trifold pamphlets they were passing out, getting involved in this. Anti-Procter & Gamble. What are, they, what are they? The pillar and ground of anti-Procter & Gamble. No, we're a pillar and ground of the truth. And a whole bunch of independent Baptist churches, well, a bunch of other people got sued by Procter & Gamble and lost. Procter & Gamble won a $2 million suit against a whole bunch of churches because they all got caught up in this rumor against this company. We should boycott this company. We should stop using that company. We should not do that. You hear what I'm saying? Come on now, don't tell me you haven't heard this. Amway, Amway made it big through churches. They got into churches and they all sold to other churches. They all sold to other church members. We are not the pillar and ground of Amway. We are not the pillar, of, pillar and ground of anti-Disney or anti-Walmart or anti-whatever or blah, blah, blah. We are the pillar and ground of the truth. The truth. This is not the pillar and ground of Donald Trump. It's not the pillar and ground of Joe Biden. It's the pillar and ground of the truth. The truth. This is what matters. Amen. This is what matters. And be careful. We carry that a lot. So, listen, we are to... Um, you know, there's only one real way. Turn to John chapter 6. There's only one real way that, that we can do this the best. Um, and, I mean, I'm telling you, there's the way that we are to show the truth, believe the truth, express the truth, is done pretty much one single way, okay? <laughs> so, show me John chapter 6, okay? Go to verse 66. John chapter 6, verse 66. From that time... Many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? I, know. I want to shake Simon Peter's hand for this. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of of the living God. You, you know what this is? this is? This is unadulterated faith. This is pure, absolute faith. Where else are we going to go? You're the only one that has the truth. That is faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ. If you, listen, 
You know why I don't have a problem with creation? I don't have a problem. I believe creation. I, I believe the Bible says in the beginning, uh, uh, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Okay. Why? Because either you believe God or you don't. I, I don't have a problem with that. I'm, there's no theism for me. There wasn't God started the evolution. God started the theistic evolution. God started the process of evolution. No. Well, how in the world did he, and some of you think about this, how in the world did he, was there light before there was a sun? Because God said, let there be light. If God says, let there be light, there's light. Well, where's the sun? There doesn't have to be a sun. If God says, let there be light, I just believe God. Listen, do you understand how the best way that every believer can be a pillar and ground of the truth? Believe the book. Trust it. Don't try to rearrange it to fit your philosophy or to the people you're talking to or to match it with your culture. If it says it, just believe it. Well, you know, we're not supposed to spank kids anymore. The Bible says to use a rod. Well, it's better to use your hand. The Bible says to use a rod. And by the way, there are so many right reasons for not using your hand. It's just beyond my belief how anybody could think that. <clears throat> but anyways, you hear what I'm saying? I mean, we could go on and on and on. Well, you know, talking to people about the Lord, it just doesn't work anymore. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now listen, I, I, I'm, well, I'm not going to get into it. You either believe the word, how do I support the truth? You have faith in God. Trust the book. You, it, listen, the only way you can be a pillar and ground of the truth is to believe it. <laughs> you have to believe it. You have to, and that is only done by faith. Why? Because the Bible is frankly contradictory to the rest of the world. It just is. You want to go to your finances? Give to God first. Well, no, no, no. You're supposed to give to yourself first. Savings or retirement? Nope, you give to God first. Well, how am I going to live on 90%? It's amazing how it works. You can do it. <clears throat> Complete faith that God has the truth, the eternal truth, and nothing but the truth, and there's no place else to get the truth. It's in Christ through the Bible. Amen. Uh, If we go to John chapter 8, turn over just a page. Look at verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, abide, stay, dwell in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Why is a preacher always honest about reading the Bible? Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, live in it, dwell in it, stay in it, abide in it, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I just don't know what to do with my life. How's your devotions been going? Well, uh uh-huh. And you don't know what to do, guess why? If... If the reverse, of the, the reverse of these verses is true, you don't stay in his word, you are not going to know the truth. Hello? I love to read. I do. I love to read. Well, I'm getting that love back. Let's put it that way. I'm, I, I, for a while there, I couldn't hardly pick up a book anymore, but I'm getting my love, my love for books back. You know, and you, and you know, it's easy to read a lot of books, isn't it? It's easy, to, you know that. It's easy to read. Matter of fact, you get a good author, you can consume his works. So just 
Brandon Sanderson. I think about him. Just I just consume it. And you know what's funny is what we don't think about is all that reading and all the, all the philosophies of those books, they're going in here. The thinking of those people, the, the way the heroes respond and the way the, the way the bad guys and the good guys respond, that all gets put in place in our brain. It gets mapped into our brain. And it affects the decisions that we make. That's why the Bible says, spend time in the book. Because now you're being affected by what the pathways that God wants you to have. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that t- today for me, I'll just be frank, today, today was days, I just wanted to go back to bed and sleep another 48 hours and wake up hoping I might just be a lot better off. I didn't want to be in the office. I didn't want to be studying. I stared and stared and read. I don't know how many times I read the passage for Sunday morning. I read it and I read it and I read it and I read it. I looked up the words and I read it. I was like, oh, you know, I find, I know what I did. I hauled out my, hauled out my Bible reading calendar and I opened it up and I, I had one chapter left to read this morning because Dana had kiddos coming in the house and I wasn't done. So I finished reading that chapter and then I just put it on play and let the Bible read while I was doing, trying to study. Why? Well, what good is that going to do? Well, it's a whole lot better than everything else I've been sticking in there. Some of you know what it's like to run down the YouTube rabbit hole. Oh, 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 two hours later. Holy cow! Or just where your brain goes all by itself? Heaven forbid. Most, most of us need a leash. Well, I don't get into all that. If, if you're just letting your brain go wherever it wants to go, you're in just as bad a trouble as if the people who are sitting on YouTube. I'm just telling you. Because it's being controlled by the nature of the flesh, which is me, 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 me. <clears throat> Amen. To sustain truth. How do you sustain truth? You continue in the truth. You continue in it. The only way you can hold it, the only way it can even come to mind is if you're reading it, reading it, reading it, reading it, thinking about it, talking about it. Uh, and I'm trying to get that back even in my own, I, in our family. I like Sunday afternoon. I'm going to start talking about Christmas. Let's talk about Christmas. What's your favorite part of Christmas? The Christmas story. The, G, the Jesus part of Christmas story. What's your favorite part? What's your favorite part? I don't have one. That's okay. Get one. Well, how do I do that? Read the word. Amen. And you know, it's okay. You've got to talk about it. Hold the truth. Continue in the truth. Promote the truth. Ephesians chapter 4. We're almost done. Stick with me. It's not going to be any worse out there now. It was when you came in. So I checked the weather. Just the same all the way through. Ephesians in chapter 4. Well, I mean, if it's still snowing, there might be a little bit extra snow. But Ephesians chapter 4. Go to verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers... For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Excuse me. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth... In love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the message, the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Do you understand what we're talking about here? 
is that God gave us, what's the foundation there? He gave us people who talked to us about the truth. You hear that? So that we would learn to listen and grow and study and be grounded in the truth and begin to talk with each other, edify each other in the truth. What does that mean? You need a, if you're going to hold the truth, okay, if we're going to sustain it, you have to first, you have to first believe that just because complete faith in this book, the Word of God, this is how we hold the truth, complete faith in it, then we must continue in it, and then now guess what? We need to be taught and talk about it. It needs to, be, it needs to become part of our conversation. I, I mean, listen, I, I, I am completely aware we are we like we like stories at our house. I mean, we we like books. We like good movies, and we talk about them. We like talking about possible ver- other ways that this story might have built into that story, and where it might go in the future. But we love those things: Lord of the Rings, the, the, the Narnia, um, Star Wars. The people that are just good storytellers. Our family, we like that kind of stuff, and we could talk about it. We could talk about. As a matter of fact. You talk about Star Wars to our family, and we can start getting into some details about stuff, which is great. But that better not exceed the truth. There needs to be talking about the truth. It's a whole lot more fun. I'm just telling you, it's a whole lot more fun to just wonder where Star Wars might go over here, want to go over there. It's a lot more work to talk about the truth. But if I want my family actually to have health and growth and actually have a stable life, guess what needs to be talked about around our house? The truth! This, the book, and it's you too. Well, not everybody wants to talk about it. Of course they don't. If you're waiting for somebody to come and talk to you about the Lord, you may die before that happens. God didn't tell them to come to you looking for it. He told you to go to them talking about it. And here's the same here's the same the idea the same general idea. Stop waiting for someone else in the church to talk to you about spiritual things, and you bring it up as best you can. Talk about it. I, I do, the best thing you can do with a pre, the best thing you can do with a, any any message that a preacher preaches is go talk about it. Talk about the passage. Talk about other verses that might apply. Talk about ways that the preacher's message may apply differently than he applied. There is no possible way for the preacher to get up and apply it to every single person in the room. It's not possible. Well, if there was one person in the room, he can do a pretty good job of application, but still that person does a better job of self-application. What is the principle of the message that I'm walking home with? How does that reapply to myself? Do you hear what I'm saying? Amen. This is good. All right. So you, you have to... To sustain the truth, if we're going to hold the truth, it's done by faith. We have to completely believe the word of God. No ifs, ands, or buts. This is true. Every man's a liar. Which means we must spend time in it. We must know it. We must grow to understand it. We must enjoy the jokes about Bildad the shoe height. And, and you know, I mean, all, all those, we, it's not a bad, those aren't bad things. When, when the Bible can become the thing that makes us smile as well as the thing... I mean, if you, just, if you can't get a, a, a little bit of a snicker or a response out of J.L. nailing Cicero's head to the floor, you're not thinking. Okay, so get into it. Get to know it. Enjoy it. I mean, spend time in it. And that, let that begin to become the outflow of your conversation. Talk to each other about it. Discover that the Bible is not, the Bible is not uh, mute on the needs, the mental and emotional needs of people today. As a matter of fact, it's pretty clear on it. 
It speaks directly to it. The problem is we're not going there for answers. And then when we do find the answers, we don't like them. But that's where the truth is. You have to do it by faith. Amen? Then we need to talk about it. We needed to talk about it. Ephesians chapter 3, I'm not going to keep going now, but if you go back in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 12, the church then needs to become a, we need to be declaring the truth. The world needs to hear it. The world needs to hear the truth. The truth of Jesus Christ. The truth of the gospel. The truth of, I mean, for heaven's sakes, they know the law of sowing and reaping. They need to hear more than that. The truth, the church ought to be a place where the church, where the world can hear about creationism. The church ought to be a place where the, where the world can hear about Jesus Christ and about the church and about salvation and about righteousness. Amen. Amen. And then finally, turn to Jude 3, and that's where we'll be done. Go all the way to Revelation and put it in reverse for one book. The book of Jude and verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I, I don't know if you all know it or not, but America's going to pot. And it's going really fast. This is not the time for us to look back and go, oh, it's so bad, and look how awful. I just can't believe it. Wine, wine, wine. How come our leaders are allowed? This is the time for us to start contending for the faith. This is the time when people got to hear truth. They need to hear truth. They need to hear somebody get up and say excited and say, you can do that, but it's not going to feel good, and you're not going to be happy. What, what's, tell you, what's just better with your life is you just agree with God that Male and female created he them. You will find peace in your soul if you acknowledge that God is right. Don't be angry at them. They're getting messed up by the devil. Those people aren't the enemy. You understand that? that, that the, the, we're actually understanding now that the, the indoctrination in our educational system across the United States is so pervasive that we've gone from like 0.04% of young people having, having uh, gender dysphoria to it being upwards of 40 to 60% of young people having gender dysphoria. 40 to 60% because they're getting it shoved down their throat all the time and then they wonder why they're committing suicide and why they why they just can't figure things out and why they're running away from home and they're getting mad and shooting places up because they're denying the truth of God and the church needs to be a place where people say, not rudely, not, not with anger and, and spite, but with help saying, I know what you're saying, but I'm telling you, the only way you're going to find peace is you agree with God that this is true. I'm just telling you, try it. Try God's word out. Try it. This is where peace is found. Amen. This is a time for us to contend. And that doesn't mean with a sword. The only sword that any believer ought to carry is right here. When you're advancing the gospel, you do it with this. You don't do it with a gun. When you're advancing the gospel. Amen. The world, this is the best time ever for us to contend for the faith. To, to help people find the truth of God 
and find that the peace of God can be found there. Amen. I tell you, our our Christianity is going to be revealed in the next 10 years. Clear as a bell. Our Christianity, the reality of, of what we say we believe is going to be revealed in the next 10 years. Maybe in the next five. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, going, it's just flying to, to the opposite end of Christianity. And whether you are a Christian or not is going to be, whether you are in the truth, excuse me, you might be a Christian, but whether you are sticking in the truth or not is going to be revealed because there's new things going to come up and suddenly you're not going to have the answers because you've not been standing in the truth. You've not been dwelling in the truth and you're going to be blown about by every wind of doctrine. Well, what do you mean? There's already churches, good churches, churches like us who are saying, well, you know, lady pastors are okay. Oh, it's okay, lesbian Sunday school teachers, that's all right. Churches that are really close to believing like what we believe. Don't even think that that's some far-off group somewhere else. You hear what I'm saying? What they need is people who can stand up and say, I'm sorry, do what you will to me, but that's not right. Here's the truth. This is the truth. And I have found peace for me by trusting this book. If you want peace, you trust it too. I'm telling you, it's where you're going to find it. Amen. What should a church, what's the, that's the final one. What is the, a good purpose of a church, the purpose of a church, to sustain the truth. And that is only done by believing this book completely by faith. Amen. Now make sure you're taking it as historical, literal, grammatical context. Not pulling verses out to your own advantage. Amen. But the truth is in there. God is good. Amen. So that is ecclesiology. Ecclesiology. The doctrine of the church. I don't know how long I've been doing this. We've done at least a year. So, and I've, I'm still kind of toying around with what we shall do next. We, we, I've been praying about it. We'll see. So, amen. Let's all stand.